This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. This is a wild game of survival. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. <laughs> I'm Joe Lipsitz, and I'm joined, as always, by Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hello. Ladies, we are talking about Fatal Attraction, Season 1, Episode 4, Beautiful Mosaics. And I'm frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what did you say off-air, punt this episode into the sun? Which I... (laughs) I enjoyed. I'm starting to. I'm starting to think they're not entirely sure what they intend to do with this show. I right. agree, and I I am enjoying it, but I think like there are moments that I find very very compelling, and I get very excited, and then it mm-hmm. veers off into something I don't one care about to understand. Oh my god! And <laughs> and this episode in particular is so filled with the machinations. Like we're talking about that woman who didn't wake up, and we're also talking about like oh crimes against elderly women. There's this sort of newish character. Maybe we've seen her before. Who could tell? Her name mm-hmm. is uh, Jeanette Ruiz, played by Vanessa Martinez. So this is a character. She's introduced by you know, hostilely complaining to Dan that. The cases in in his bureau that involve female victims are often overlooked or, or right. minimized. Mm-hmm. And then later in the present, we learn that apparently this is someone who he comes up against because he says the phrase, I don't know everyone's sided with Ruiz. Mm-hmm. So this is someone who is going to be, I assume, going to be set up as like a nemesis for him. Now, I don't know if she's the one that actually prosecutes him. Right. But this, you know, this is another character. This this TV show does not suffer from a lack of characters. Oh, no. No. Yeah. We're we're starting to get to the point where uh, where I need a flowchart to to remember who everybody is, what time Mm -hmm. period they're in, because they're Mm -hmm. all they're they're all in both. The only the the only characters that that don't show up in both time periods at this point are are Alex because Mm -hmm. she's dead and the mother because she ends up dying in this episode but so right. but like all of these characters are still around you know mm-hmm. I, mean, if you, I mean do you do you guys know everybody you knew 15 years ago oh, no. <laughs> i sure Not don't at all. well and the other thing is too they all look almost exactly the same you know yeah. it's not like we're in yellow jackets where there is a very clear distinction no one's gained weight you know mm-hmm. i mean it took me a while to realize that oh, that Beth married her business partner. Same, because I didn't. I oh was like, "Is God, it the same guy?" I just figured that out. <laughs> okay, I don't feel bad. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. Yes, but she in the in the past he has the dying wife, mm-hmm. and and I guess she obviously she died at some point, and right. then and then the two of them got married, mm-hmm. and it's like. Okay, why are all these people still in each other's orbits? Like, why are they all still working together? Why are they all still, I mean, especially, you know, with something like, you know, a colleague and friend went to jail for murder. Mm-hmm. I, I have to feel like that would cause a bit of a, you know, a rift between people, but it didn't. And it's very strange. Yeah, it's like they just picked up back where they were. You know, it's like the show wants to have 
It's cake and eat it too. It wants to send Dan to jail for 15 years, but it also wants... Like nothing has changed while he was away. (laughs) Right. And we can just skip over it. And it's like he's fighting the trial now. And it's... Right. Nothing has changed. Nobody... You know, his ex-wife isn't really mad at him anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, his... He didn't have to work that hard to get get the daughter to want to be in his life again. You know, the, the only people that push back are his colleagues, including the one who withheld evidence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so that's Conchita. That's the woman that Alex technically worked for, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah, yeah, because they worked in the Victim Services Bureau. Yeah, yes. so she, it turns out, actually received a complaint by the bailiff. So the guy that Alex was always bringing food to, and then he was passing it off to another guy. He apparently complained to Conchita about Alex, and she refused to tell Dan to help his defense in the murder trial in the past. I will say, this is actually one of the highlights of the episode for me, is the conversation they have in the present day when he's like, why didn't you tell me this? This could have helped me 15 years ago or whatever. And she says... The guilty always blame the victim. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, finally, we're getting back to a little bit of fucking feminism on this show. Exactly. Yes. It, 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 yes, but also I sort of feel like it's playing into, you know, this is what men already know about women, that they that they conspire mm. against them, that they, that they lie to protect their own, mm. you know, and I'm like, mm, is that feminist though? Yeah, I get, I get your point. I, I, mm. I do, but I feel like... You know, all, all this is doing is reinforcing stereotypes about, you know, women being duplicitous if it comes to, you know, setting a man up the river for something he he didn't do it. I, th- I think that the, you know, the show has... It's very clearly positioning him to right, be a frame if, if job. It's, tr- yeah. if it's trying to make it, you know, you know, make it seem like, you know, a mystery as to whether or not he did it. He didn't mm-hmm. do it. He, he didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just like, you know... So people, even though people had doubts about whether or not Alex was entirely innocent and, you know, not that anybody deserves to be killed, Mm -hmm. but that she was entirely blameless, you know, they they still went ahead and and covered it up. And I think that unfortunately that is what a lot of men think happens in these situations. So I don't know if that's, you know, doing the thing that they are trying to do. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And I I think it works for me if Dan is guilty, you know, if he did actually do it or, you know, if the show weren't kind of setting him up to not only not be the one who killed her, but also to be the victim of the show, you know? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, it it feels like he's getting like the hero edit, you know? Right. Yeah, he'll yeah. be he'll be redeemed in the end. You know, he'll yeah. he'll be he'll be absolved of you know all these people's lies and orchestrations. Yeah. Well, I feel like one of the other challenges with this particular episode was that we don't have the vantage point of being principally in one person's point of view, right? Like episode three, we all agreed was really strong because it was mostly from Alex's perspective after two episodes that were mostly from Dan's perspective. And Mm -hmm. here it feels like we're getting like we're getting a bunch of scenes that are from Beth's perspective as she starts to put the affair together. You know, she finds the earring in the dog poop and uh, she's, you know, finding a couple of other things like bills and that kind of stuff. And you're just like, okay, so it's it's messy now. Like there's so many characters and so many details where we don't know if they're important. And now we don't even have the luxury of one person's kind of perspective dominating to guide us. Yes. 
it feels like it's just all over the place and they can't pick the person they want to focus on. Yeah, and then we also learn that that you know they they are taking Alex in a different direction. Yes. Whereas mm-hmm. in in the original movie, you know, which I'm sure you know, and, and they definitely have said this. The oh, we we don't you know we don't want it to be just like that. Mm-hmm. So in, even though you know, I would think that that's what people are going to be expecting when they watch yeah. it, but. Uh, mm-hmm. We know nothing about Alex's background. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the closest she comes to explaining anything is that, you know, in the movie when Dan does this weird thing where he fakes having a heart attack, which, <laughs> which you know, it's kind of a shitty thing to do to yeah. someone. I mean, I mean he, th- he thinks he's just playing a joke, but it's kind of, you know, rotten joke. And she yeah. says, oh, my father died right in front of me. Now, she's probably lying. About, uh, I think she is lying about it. But right. we don't know anything about if she's done this with other people, but... You know, as far as we know, she's just popped up and, and she seems unhinged. Whereas the Alex in this, obviously, she's done this before. Mm-hmm. And she's very thoughtful. Like, as we saw in episode three, where she sort of plans out all of their, you know, their quote unquote accidental encounters. Mm-hmm. So that's a little different. That's, that's, you know, she knows what she's doing, is she knows what she's doing. Whereas I, I don't know the 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 Alex in the movie was quite that lucid about it. Yeah, or like manipulative intentionally. Right, like like she when we talked and we talked about this in the last episode when Alex in the movie cuts her wrist, she actually hurts herself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now it, it might have been uh, you know we, I think we talked about it where like she didn't necessarily intend to kill herself, mm-hmm. but she actually did cut herself. Whereas here, you know, Alex just hides a bunch of pills. Like, oh, I took some pills. So it's 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 more like, yeah, manipulative. Like it's more like like you know, she has a lot of foresight in this. Yeah. So I I think one of the problems that I have with this episode is that there just isn't enough Alex in it. Like, no, really, yeah. there's only one. She's scene. like in for, for three minutes. Yeah, right. it's like it's where Mike, the Toby Huss character, goes to confront her, and she's like, "Oh, does Beth know?" And you're just kind of like, "Okay." And then the presumption at the end of the episode, when Sophie, the Jessica Harper mom character of Beth, when her body is discovered in the pool, Dan is like, "Oh, I think it was Alex," and you're like, mm-hmm. "Okay, I guess," but like, considering the show is Fatal Attraction and it's meant to be Dan and Alex and Beth, like, we're not spending any time. <laughs> with one of the central trios in this episode. Exactly. And I think in episode three, they really went out of their way to show Alex as not only like dangerous, but also like mentally unwell. And like, you know, I, I'm feeling a little bit of sympathy for her because she is doing bad things, but she clearly is doing them because she needs help that she's not getting. And so I would be okay. Like, I'm kind of enjoying seeing all the manipulation because I think that deepens her character. But then when we stay so far away from her and we don't stay in her head, we just see her as like the manipulating bitch. And now she's just even worse than the other movie. You know, like you've got to continue with that mental mind frame. You know, you can't just show her like hitting herself a couple of times and then say, okay, well, we know she's unstable. Let's move on. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's because the show, it either doesn't think that this stuff is compelling enough, so we need to surround it with all of this legalese, like all yeah. of Dan's case <laughs> files and coworkers and different things, 
or it's trying to extend this because we've got eight one hour episodes and it's like, okay, well, we'll get back to that later. But I don't know about you two. This is the halfway point of the series. Uh huh. Yeah. And this episode was boring. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I don't care about this legal stuff. <laughs> this is what people call a filler episode. There's, there's yes. been a lot, there's been a lot of debate, particularly with, um, The Last of Us. That mm. the highlight episodes, which was the the Bill and Frank episode, was actually a filler episode oh, because fuck those because it, does, it 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 doesn't move the plot forward or anything. But you know, if it's done right, it doesn't necessarily have to. This is exactly. a filler. This is a filler episode. This is yeah. because we're not really learning anything interesting or new about the characters, like. All of this stuff with Dan's co-workers feels like it's plot mechanics, right? Like some of this stuff is going to pay off later. Like the the introduction of Ruiz, as you said, Gina, this is going to be a gender foil in Dan's side. And we know that it's still kind of like a lingering thing in the present day as Mike and Dan begin their investigation. And they, they interview Alex's old uh, neighbor to see if he could be a viable suspect because they found his prints in her apartment. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, cool. Like that kind of stuff is fine, but there's nothing else in this episode to hang a hat on. Yeah, yeah. It just establishes that Beth believed that she and Dan had a happy marriage, and it's like, I, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, like I, we could have assumed that she thought that. And I do like getting inside Beth's head. Like, I think if I were to restructure the show, I would find it really interesting to see. From the point of view of both Beth and Alex. And because they're like in the original movie, it's like two caricatures of women pitted against each other. And I would really Mm -hmm. enjoy seeing like an exploration of like the reality of that and what it actually feels like for both of them. And I feel like this episode dips its toes into that a little bit, but doesn't dive all the way in because we got to like, because they've committed to whatever these court cases are and they've got to follow that through. But I will say this episode, I think, does represent a turning point for me and a pretty strong departure from the original movie because in the original movie, Dan, he suffers and the bunny dies. But unless I'm forgetting something, there's nothing that really happens to him that he can't bounce back from, you know, Mm -hmm. and here his mother actually dies and we don't know exactly what has happened yet. I mean, I think... The implication is that Alex is somehow responsible, and Dan certainly believes that, but, Mm -hmm. like, he has lost something that he can't get back now, and I think that there is a reason for Beth to never forgive him at this point, too, you know? Well, yeah, because that's not his mom, that's Beth's mom. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what the implications are of sophie's death moving forward i hope that it's not something we're just gonna brush off because Mm -hmm. you know this episode ends on this kind of cliffhanger like holy shit we've got a body now like stakes are escalating this isn't just a car that's gotten melted yeah and dan is suffering like the only person in the original film that actually suffers in the long term is alex and it's just heavily implied that she deserves it and so it just it raises the stakes in a way that i find really interesting i just it just keeps intercutting with this court stuff that that i don't understand you know and it could be that it has more to do and it is like 
I don't know, with a better telling of this legal case, it could be interesting or with maybe three more episodes or something. But I would just let that whole court thing out. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I said, this is this there there there's too many people. I I I should be able to keep track of who everybody is by this point and I am not able to. Yeah. No. The lady we were talking about at the beginning, Ruiz, I think Ruiz, I, yeah. I I don't even know who she is. To be honest, like I vaguely remember that scene at the beginning. She's only had one scene so far. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she comes out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the only other talking points that I have are both from the present day. I don't know if they're important. Dan tries to get a job with the guy that in the past was like the serial cheater that he was always making fun of, Frank Gelardo. And mm-hmm. the guy basically just uses it as an excuse to mock him. And he ends up getting a job instead with George, uh, who was played by Walter Perez. And this is the guy that he meets in the elevator bay. And the guy thanks him for sort of siding with him in the past. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is that Ellen decides at the prompting of her therapist, she's going to try to engage her mother in a dialogue about what it was like to go through all of this. And then she basically caves when she goes to have the conversation. <sighs> And I, one of those things I'm interested in, it's the, um, with Ellen and her mother. I think that's really interesting, but it just feels like an afterthought in the episode. I forgot until you mentioned it, that the therapist isn't a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I still don't know what they're doing with Ellen as an adult, as a character. Like, I, I, I don't know. She is like the secondary main character. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's. It, I, I don't. It's not working for me. It's nothing wrong with the. It's nothing wrong with the actress or anything. No, she's fine. It's just this. I, mean, I like the idea of them trying to reconnect and him trying to, you know, piece back together his life. Sure, but she is being set up for something, and and I I don't know what it is, and I don't know that I'm particularly interested in finding out. It, it, it still feels like they're trying to, you know, they were in the middle of working all this out while while still... While shooting and editing? Uh-huh. Right. And like, well, we're not sure yet, but, you know, maybe a couple episodes down, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, as we said, this episode feels like filler, so I don't think we need to belabor the point. Did either two of you have any notes that you made about predictions? Where do you think this might go next? I have one and I'm curious to see what's going to happen because in the movie, a lot of this is escalated by the fact that Alex becomes pregnant and we have not heard anything about this yet. Of course, we also didn't see much of Alex this episode, so who knows? She could be peeping in her bathroom, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm just interested to see if that happened. I also want to know what happened to this mom, you know? Like, at this point, I'm kind of just like, do your worst show. Just just go for it. Make it as nuts as you want. So maybe maybe they're framing Alex, you know? <laughs> well, we're moving into the back half of the season slash series. So, like, something has to happen soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's going to have to be some sort of, like, holy shit episode. Or, or otherwise, they're going to have a real problem with pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the other note it ends on is that even though Beth is obviously immediately in mourning because her mother is dead, this is the time where Dan says, okay, we need to talk because like, he believes that Alex is behind this, this death. And he 
now needs to tell his wife about the affair. So obviously that's going to come out in the next episode. And I'm hopeful that that's going to be that inciting incident, Gina. Like this is going to be, okay, point of no return. Now the series is going to really start to turn it on. Mm -hmm. I will say um, his hair is looking marginally better. He'll say he got a little trim. He got a little yeah, trim. Just a little bit, yeah. It's like the pilot got accepted. We can spend a little bit more money on our hair products. <laughs> Although I will say it is making it more difficult to determine what yep. scenes are involving him in the present versus the past. That That's is a true. bizarre choice uh-huh. to to make, make it very difficult to tell, you know, what's supposed to be, quote unquote, now and what's supposed to be 15 years ago. Yeah, give mm-hmm. us like a blue wash or something. You know, I'm thinking of like um, Dolores Claiborne where in the, pre- the past scenes are very bright and cheery, you know, like give us something or like yeah. make it like a nuclear disaster. So like the uh, it's like scorched earth in the present. <laughs> well, I, I know the two of you, uh, Jen, maybe you watched it, but I don't think you did, Gina. But I really enjoyed Cruel Summer, which takes place over three consecutive years uh-huh. yes. and they have distinct color filters for each time so it's like when it switches you know immediately whether it's 1990 1991 or 1992 yes. and, you know maybe they go you admittedly i watch screeners mm-hmm. and sometimes screeners aren't oh, always true. ready to go they're not finished, and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a lot of times like they don't have the soundtrack that they want to use yet. Sometimes they don't have special effects if it's a special effects heavy show. Mm-hmm. So maybe when this goes to air, they, they there will be more of a you know easier to 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 see distinction. I, I hope there is. <laughs> yeah, right. listeners are like screaming at us at all, and they're like, "It is blue." Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's very because it's very confusing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, you know what, that that seems like a good point to maybe end this on a call to listeners. Let us know because yeah, we are watching screeners. So tell us if your viewing experience is a little bit different. Mm. Gina, if they wanted to reach out and let you know, how would they do so? I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Uh, I am also the host of the Kill by Kill podcast. uh, And I write for the spool.net. Fantastic. And Jen, if they want to talk to you about potential pregnancy. <laughs> yes. Um, I am at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram, um, coach of the Losers Club podcast, and a couple other things. So yeah, check me out. And please do talk to me. I love talking about Prego stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I can be reached at Beast on my remote, and that's the letter B. And if you uh, want to, you should be following the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad Network, because the other thing that Jen didn't mention is that she also has a new podcast dedicated to the boys. So lots of good, new, fun content on the network. Yeah, the network's popping right now. (laughs) It's popping, yeah. Okay, so folks, we will be back next week for what is hopefully not a filler episode. But uh, (laughs) until then... Make sure that you poke your dog's poop for earrings. Oh, yes, but I don't need a close-up. <laughs> no, we do not need that. <laughs> this is a wild game of survival. The Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.